Genre. Hello? Chris, it's Scott. Oh, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> totally excellent, dude. Oh, um, okay, cool. Well, what's up? Not much, compadre. Just chilling out here at Mikasa. All right. Hey, uh, are you okay? You seem different. Oh, yeah, man. I'm totally tubular. I've just been listening to this bitchin' new podcast and scarfing down some zaz, you know? Right. Bitchin'. Totally. It's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, and it's a completely gnarly new show that breaks down, analyzes, and discusses the 1990 live-action Turtles movie one shell kicking minute at a time! Wait, one minute at a time? Like, a whole episode dedicated to just, like, one minute of the movie? Oh, hey Scott, hold on a second. Dude, I have got a boss new podcast to show you. Oh my god, it's like totally rad, you're gonna freak. Hey Adam, Rachel, uh, come in I guess. Is that Scott? Put him on speaker. Yeah, he was just telling me about Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles, Turtles Minute. Minute. Excellent. Excellent. Rad. Dude, dudette, how totally mondo is that show? Totally, man. I like scope so many fresh new knowledge nuggets, I feel like my brain is going to explode. Yeah, and it comes out every day of the week, so I can just max and relax and score some serious turtle time. Chris, you have to motor over to DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute right now. Yeah, okay, I, I just... Am I going to start talking like that? Yo, Connor, don't be a spaz. Yeah, be wicked. Bodacious. Righteous. Fresh. So, bro, what's it going to be? You going to check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute or what? Well, I guess there's only one thing to say. Cowabunga! Yeah! Party! Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, available July 31st on DuelingGenre.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Bueller, Bueller, Bueller. Welcome back to Ferris Bueller Minute the fan podcast, where we overanalyze the John Hughes classic Ferris Bueller's Day Off, one minute at a time. I'm Gary. And I'm Victoria. And today, we're taking the day off to talk about Minute 4. Minute 4 starts with weird baby talk, and it ends with a gross misunderstanding of the human body. And we'll get into that. It's like the very last line of the minute. It's like right in the middle of his speech. Uh... Today we get to talk about... Oh, you know what? I meant to say... I meant to say... One breaking the fourth wall minute at a time. Because, like, that's what happens. That's what... It is a mouthful. That's what happens in this minute. We get the official breaking of the first fourth wall. Yeah. Yeah. First time. First time in the movie. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I don't... Seeing through his eyes is a weird other thing. Like, that's just a different movie trick. Yeah. But now he's, like, looking at the camera for the first time. Um, So first, before we even get there, before we even get there, uh, this minute starts as his parents are leaving the room. And 
uh, you know, we asked, ended yesterday with a love fest. And so we get a little bit more of that. His dad's like, I love you too. He's like closing the door. And and Ferris makes this weird baby talk. You mean me? I don't know. It's very annoying. I thought you were about to do it. And I was going to be like, yes. No. I don't even remember it's exactly like a, what like it like is. A, like a... I don't even... It's weird. It's like so baby-ish. It is. I don't it's like so it. It's so unattractive and disgusting. Well... John Hughes in the commentary, he says a lot, a lot, a lot about, like, especially early in this movie, that Ferris is playing up that, like, boyish character, like that young kind of, because, because his parents see him as that little baby boy and he's using it to his advantage. I understand using that to your advantage to a certain age, but he's supposed to be like what eighteen right now. Yeah, I, I think that's a little much. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get away with this, I, right? I think you could stop getting away with that baby stuff, like maybe right before puberty. Like once your voice gets deeper and like yeah. you're doing man things, like you shouldn't. Like you're that. smelly, you, <laughs> smelly, and, and all this like stuff. Then you no, know, you don't get to do that anymore. <laughs> We get another really beautiful shot of the full length of the room again that oh, we yes. saw yesterday yeah. all of this with stuff. the parents standing there. And now you can kind of see all the photographs that ring his door. I think John Hughes was saying that they were using photos of Presley's appearance on, ooh, what was that show? Ed Sullivan? The Ed Sullivan show? I think it was on the Ed Sullivan show. Mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of those pictures are. We'll see them. I don't think we'll see them much closer. I also noticed we pointed out the um, kind of deer head on the wall. Yes. It looks like it's got a pig snout. That's weird. It does. He has weird. That's weird stuff there. It is weird stuff. Ferris's room is so strange. It's very... It's kinda, it, it seems like it's so much. It's eclectic. I imagine that it, if it, I had it lived feels in the like same place... a small place, room. If I had lived in the same place room. my whole life, uh, I think my walls would be like this. It would just be like a tapestry of stuff. I mean, I'm all for decorating and everything, but from an interior decorating standpoint, it, yeah, a lot he's... of this stuff makes it makes the room look so small. Like the room looks very small at this angle, yeah. But then you know it's really not because it pans away, and he has like this really big window and this like this nice desk and all this other stuff. Yeah, so the room is all, a lot bigger. That's all on than this side looks, of the room, behind but it the just camera. looks so cluttered. It does. I'm just like, uh, I think maybe take it down twenty percent. Only seeing like half okay. the bedroom right now. Even his curtains are not really curtains. No. Let's talk about the curtains. So, um, well, actually, we'll get to the curtains. First, he, he sits up in bed and he looks at the camera. Yep. Which I think is awesome. Like He's looking at the door and then turns to the camera. Like making like, sure they're gone before yeah. he interacts with us. And he's like, mm-hmm. they bought it. Uh, which I like. Um, and then we're going to cut to the really obnoxious MTV ad. Like, oh yeah, you know we've been listening to this this Ira Newborn score, this uh, Ferris in bed, this really melodic, like kind of soft little. Oh, he's a sick kid. And then like it, we should, and then, like it cuts in. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> just like you hard. Know, I like... think I might have some notes <laughs> about the MTV logo. Let me see. I tried to look it up. And I do have some information about MTV. Um, the MTV kicked off its first broadcast uh, at 12.01 a.m. August 1st, 1981, with footage of Columbia's countdown and liftoff, the Apollo 11 launch, and then the landing on the moon. Um, 
And then an astronaut saluted the MTV flag and a voiceover said, ladies and gentlemen, rock and roll. Yeah. I took that quote from the NASA website because I think they're proud that their their footage got used in the MTV logo. Oh, in I'm the original pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're usually, see- they're usually seen as nerds. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, we got to yeah. associate with something cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they use a little tiny scrap of that footage in this. Um, uh, I have a little bit more information, but I don't think we need to talk about like MTV, the channel. Everyone knows about MTV. Yes. Um, I wrote notes about like the first music video was video killed, killed the, the radio, radio star. star. Yeah. I knew that. That's a good song. I was trying to find the, um, I was trying to find this exact, um, bumper basically like this little MTV ad. Uh huh. And I couldn't find it. I oh. can find pieces of it. I can find the Chainsaw Girl. Um, and I can find other versions that have the launch, but not the full thing spliced together like this. So I don't know if this is just something that they cut together themselves. The song is the same one that's used. Yeah, the, like, definitely. Um, I don't know. It's a little bit different. But I think they Back aired when in... MTV showed videos. Yeah. Music videos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What isn't that like literally what they were like right from the yeah. beginning? Like twelve oh one, that's what they played. Like after music they... video, there you go. Yeah, the music video for video killed the radio. Star. Yep, that was the first thing they played at midnight. Yep, that's awesome. I like that. So it was just music videos, all like one right after the other. Uh, that was for like when I was in high school and in middle school, there would still be blocks of time in which they were they were doing that. They still music video after we music used video, to. Music um, video just watch music videos in the morning before going to school. Like when we were getting ready, we would just have like music television on. And, and then they started adding like TV shows. Cause that's yeah. where Beavis and Butthead came from. And, um, there, another cartoon called the head, the head. Yeah. And, uh, you know, other TV shows like that. Oh, TRL. Sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Of course. Oh yeah. That I remember when real world. <laughs> and I remember when, um, and all down downhill from there. Dean started. Oh yuck! I think that was when I was in like middle no, school. No, I never. School. I missed that. Thank goodness. Yeah. I remember when that happened, and I was like, I'm not watching this channel anymore. <laughs> like this has nothing to do with music. Yeah, I don't care about this. No, in his in Ferris's era, he's got the good era. It was just music videos. Yep. It's so awesome. Ah, I really like. I really like the Chainsaw Girl. Yeah. Um, I like that you've got. She's These people on the TV screen, like it's a TV screen in a TV. Okay, we're watching a movie. Yeah, where we're looking at a television screen that and is showing an ad with a television yeah. screen on it. <laughs> and in that screen, uh, there is a man and a woman that are singing. And when the chainsaw girl revs up her chainsaw and she like takes it to the television, they react to the chainsaw. Yeah. They like yeah. look up and then they run away. Yeah. Isn't I think that that's crazy? really good use of the frame. <laughs> it's crazy. I think it's, it's cool. I think it's, it's so cool. Um, I like it a lot. It's nice. It's really nice. It's very clever. And then, and then we cut to, uh, this song, love missile F one eleven by Sieg Sieg Sputnik. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. It's the very first song on the soundtrack. And it is long. It's like a six minute song. Oh, dang. Yeah. It's, uh, it's long. Um, it's kind of loud and obnoxious. It 
has it samples like audio from other sources, like not music okay. within it. It's really it's really strange. Um, I think John Hughes mentions on the commentary that he picked it because because it has this eclectic sort of collection of all these things from different sources. And it's sort of like the buzz of what, what the inside of Ferris's head would be like, like the, the, the room kind of shows that as well. It's just this like obnoxious mishmash of all sorts of things that don't seem to go together, but he makes it work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fun song. I like it. I dig it. We use it for our, our intro, which I like. Makes so the sense. song starts, and then we see Ferris in his iconic robe. Yes, that red and gray striped robe. And he's going to continue talking to us. So so I looked up a little bit about... Oh, you know what? I looked up a little bit about breaking the fourth wall. And uh, if I asked you what you thought the history of breaking the fourth wall is, what, what would your first... My first go-to was like Greek theater. Okay. Because you have like the chorus that's talking, speaking to the audience. And I, mm-hmm. I don't know if like monologue, I don't know if monologuing like Shakespeare style was something that happened in like early Greek theater. But I know that, um, I know the chorus was like representative of Now, the does monologuing like- count as breaking the fourth wall? I think, I think because they are speaking to the audience. Like, I don't know. I guess I would have to, like, I guess it would be dependent on the Shakespeare piece, too. Because I know I've seen plays where it's more like an aside. So I think it's like breaking the fourth wall, but it's it's not, it's more subtle than this. Yeah. And it gets more dramatic than this. So, mm-hmm. like, we'll, we can talk about, like, shades of breaking, I suppose. Where you <laughs> have, like, you have a Shakespearean aside. Where they're stepping away from the stage, the performance finished, and they are delivering a monologue about whatever's happening or what they're thinking about or what action they think they're going to take, you know. Um, But they're not, like, speaking at you, the audience, like... I don't know. I haven't seen as much... I don't... You know more theater than I do. Well, I mean, I I was gonna say Shakespeare. Like to me, like if you count monologuing as yeah. as uh, as breaking the fourth wall, which mm-hmm. is so weird because to me, breaking the fourth wall, a term of and of itself, sounds very modern. It is. So you're you're actually correct. Um, well, I figured the term the the phrase would would have come from um, something more recent. Uh, it it was a term that was used by. Um, Moliere, the French playwright and actor of the, it says um, he's known for his works, The Misanthrope, The School for Wives, Tartuffe, 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 The Miser, The Imaginary Invalid, and The Bourgeois Gentleman. Mm. Um, I've, I've heard his name before. I think I've, I think, I don't think I've read any of his stuff. But uh, he was he was known for you like he he used that term um, in the 1600s. Oh, I I believe the term is probably due to the fact that like uh, when you're on a on a stage, 
And usually when you have a set, you can have the three walls in a set. But then when you're looking out, that's the fourth wall. So that makes yes. a lot of sense. And so in um, the that that kind of it is a sort of mo- like a convention of modern realistic theater. Uh, but it's not actually because of the stage itself. It was because of the rise of, um, sorry. It says from the 16th century onwards, the rise of illusionism in staging practices, which culminated in the realism and naturalism of theater in the 19th century, led to the development of the fourth wall concept. So what happened was they were trying to, um, at this point in time, theater was being written differently and they were trying to make what was happening on stage more and more invested in the stage, like in the realism of the moment. Like they want the actors invested in the drama and focused on what's happening and pretending the audience isn't there at all. Where Shakespeare performances were kind of a push and pull with the audience. They're a show uh, in a different sort of way. And um, so you, you, you get this rise of people that are, ignoring the audience you're you're having these real deep realism this uh kind of burying it in the natural like the disbelief that this is happening separate from us the audience mm-hmm. um and then when the when the character turns and does speak to the audience it's like a shock it's supposed to be this big momentous like this never happens kind of deal right right but you're right you have like shakespeare monologues where they're not necessarily talking to the audience like like they're a like a like directly, it's it's like they're talking to themselves. Uh huh. Yes, you can think which that is a soliloquy. Yes, exactly. So it's not quite. So it's not the same thing. No. And then, um, but it is. It is sort of a. It is a shade of that. Mm. Because we, the audience, know that, like, he probably would be saying all this to himself in his room by himself. Like, like people talk right. to themselves, but this is not but the this natural is manner. To a yeah, this yeah. is to a higher mm-hmm. extent. Mm-hmm. And then you have like this Ferris Bueller where he's like looking at the camera and talking to the camera as if we're there with him. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you have like Deadpool who knows he's in a movie. Right. And so then you have this like meta element where it's like e- taken even further. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find I find that really interesting. The 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 kind of shades of it. I, I really like I really it's like very extensive. It is. It is. <laughs> More than you would think. Mm-hmm. I really like the way. Um, what do you think are the most iconic breaking the wall, breaking the fourth wall, like movies? I mean, obviously Ferris Bueller. Oh, for sure. Um, didn't we talk about a Michael Caine movie the other, the other day? Mm. John Hughes made him, Matthew Broderick, watch this movie to kind of get a sense for that. Um, Biloxi oh, yeah. Blues. Uh, also Matthew Broderick breaking the fourth wall. He did that on stage first. That's a play, though. I'm talking about movies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't want to just immediately say Deadpool, but well, Deadpool modern. is definitely the most, the most recent, yeah, mm-hmm. and and most modern, yeah, definitely. But I feel, Ember's New Groove. Um, we've talked about that too. Ember's New Groove does it. Fight Club. Fight Club. You're Fight right. Club Fight Club does it. So, I mean, there are some out there. I'm pretty sure we're missing so many. Yeah. And people are going to hear this and they're like, we're oh, forgetting this and this and this. Well, according to Wikipedia, um, Oliver Hardy was probably the first to break the fourth wall in his movies with Stan Laurel by staring at the camera to seek comprehension from the viewers. That's that's the, that's the uh, that's the very old old thing where they would look at the camera and kind of do that whole like mm, like they oh. they would play that music that oh okay okay you know it's interesting because kind of make an expression there's a uh, 
there's we do have kind of elements of that later in this movie too we get this great monologue here from ferris but there are so many moments later in the movie where it's just him looking at the camera and i don't even know if they use music cues for them but like see the funny thing about that is that you'll watch tv shows and other movies in which like maybe it's not a fourth wall breaking type movie or uh show but you'll get maybe one instance where all of a sudden like somebody will look and kind of give this look like (laughs) it's kind of funny um it says groucho marx spoke directly to the audience in animal house in 1930 and horse feathers in 1932 oh comedy films like mel brooks monty python zucker abrams and zucker said that right right is it zucker zucker frequently broke the fourth wall such that these films such that with these films and this is in quotes the fourth wall is so flimsy and so frequently shattered that it might as well not exist according to the av club um woody allen breaks the fourth wall several times in annie hall yeah and oh blazing saddles it says they literally break the fourth wall they literally break it yep right (laughs) uh and then there's a movie by alejandro jodorowsky the 1973 film the holy mountain it says breaking the fourth wall is an integral part of the ending of the movie all right Mm mm-hmm Oh, I guess the Gary Shandling show, TV show, um, had his character walking between sets in the middle of scenes. Oh, weird. That's fascinating to me. That's crazy. I like that. Interesting. Gary Shandling would be weird enough to do that. He's an interesting guy. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So there's a lot of fourth wall talk. There's a lot of fourth wall talk. We still have so much more. I didn't even get to my favorite part of this minute yet. Um, so Ferris, Ferris opens the blinds. He's like, how can I, when someone be expected to go to school in a day like this? What the heck is up with these curtains? I think they're a parachute. It looks like a parachute. I think it is a parachute. Why would he have a parachute? I don't, I don't know. Um. I mean, I feel like if you skydived ever in your life, maybe you'd want to keep the parachute as a souvenir. Maybe he skydived Maybe maybe he went skydiving? Yeah. I don't know. Is his family adventurous enough? parachute if you do that i don't know i don't think so they got a lot of money they just i guess so i, I mean know. they do well, we won't even talk about his computer today because it'll be important more later but we get a good shot of more stuff in his room here yeah, he has like a really nice desk he's got a camera mm-hmm. that's right in front of his trophy that we're gonna see later on what is this a trophy for i think it's a bas- basketball trophy He's basketball. There's no way he plays basketball. Oh, I'm Matthew Broderick. It's You're probably a, a short particip- for basketball. It's a, probably a participation trophy for when he was like an, an eight year old right. in like the little fun team. I have like baseball trophies from when I was like a Are child. they that big though for a participation trophy? I mean, Jeez. I don't know. It's quite large. I mean, it it it's it's got to be a basketball trophy, right? It's literally a guy like up on his toes with like a ball See, in his hand. Maybe it's not a ball. Maybe it's a pom pom, and he's a male cheerleader. <laughs> We'll have to look at it later tomorrow. Uh, and like, if you've really seen Matthew Broderick it. in The Music Man, you would believe that that might be possible. All right, with the outfits he All wears right. in that. Be, um, I I would I would believe it. So so, <laughs> we have one of my favorite cuts in the movie here. Mm-hmm. Um, he opens the blinds, and then we cut to outside. We are outside looking L- looking in, at him, uh-huh. and there is a telephone wire, and on the telephone wire, there's a squirrel. There's a squirrel. Hi, squirrel. Victoria. What? Do you want to know what I want to talk about most in this minute? What, the squirrel? 
We need to talk about the squirrel. Why do we need to talk about the squirrel? Because John Hughes says that that is a real squirrel. Okay. I can uh, guess that. It, well, it doesn't move. It just sits there. It looks like it could be. They could have used a fake squirrel. Right. It doesn't, doesn't go move. anywhere. They had trained it to run across the telephone wire. They trained two of them. Okay. Um, this is on like a lot. Like a, like a, oh no, actually this is, yeah, this is a set. Okay. Um, the upstairs in, Bar- in Ferris's room is on a set. So they're on a set. You've got two squirrels that are trained to run across this wire. Right. And they are going to get a shot of Ferris opening the blinds as the as the squirrel goes by. The first one runs away. <laughs> just gone. Bye. Bye, squirrel. Bye, squirrel. It's gone. Uh, this one was so terrified it wouldn't move. Just sat there. Just stayed there. Aw, the poor scared squirrel. It's so... It's this poor scared squirrel. Aw. That's uh, not very nice. Did you? Was it really necessary to have a squirrel run across a stupid pole in front of Ferris? He didn't want it window? to. He, well, because this is just a set, and he didn't want it to look like a static, boring shot. Well, too bad. You, I never you, even noticed that petrified there was a squirrel in the, I this like darn shot. squirrel it's, for like no reason. Oh, no one even cares that it's there. I I like the squirrel. Poor squirrel. I love squirrels. I think squirrels are adorable. I love that this is a real squirrel. I'm like, why would you? When I took scare my notes, I just squirrel. wrote squirrel. Real big, and thought we were just gonna go past it. But then he talks about it in the commentary track, and I was like, "This is fantastic!" It's like, why? Why would you scare this poor squirrel? Oh, poor squirrel, poor squirrel. And we cut back inside, and he says, "Well, I already said it, but how could he? Po- how could I possibly expect it to handle squirrels like us this?" Yet really cuts clear the day. sky. It's real nice out. He looks so happy with himself, and then, and then, of course, he he kneels down in front of uh, in front of his very fancy, very elaborate set up here right what the heck what does he need this for well you know what i mean we know what he's doing with this he's calibrating this uh this mixer this uh equalizer here to to play the snoring track for later i just find it very interesting that he has a need for all this hardware that i would assume his parents would have had to have buy Mm, i would yeah i would assume so Unless he has a job, but you never know. He could have a job. Kids okay. back then didn't get jobs at 16. Electronics. From top to bottom, and then left to right, from top to bottom, we have a Carver M500T power amp. Uh, the thing he's messing with is an audio source EQ1 equalizer and spectrum analyzer. And below that, he's got a Carver DTL100 CD player. Uh, as well as a synthesizer. Oh, next to him. Sorry, this is behind him. That's why I didn't see it. Uh, next to him, there's also a TV. Do you see the TV? The little closed circuit yes, TV. Closed we circuit pointed TV. out the 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 camera. With the horse chair. Yeah, we pointed out the camera a second ago next to the stat uh, next to the the trophy. It's pointing into his bedroom, and there's a chair with a horse head on it, and so you can see it on there. Why is he have? A closed circuit feed of his bedroom in his bedroom. I don't know. I think it's weird. It is weird. It's like, why do you need that? I can't imagine, like, any reason why anyone would want this in their bedroom. Unless... Unless he does little performances. Maybe he's, like, playing his guitar or something. He's got a really nice guitar. He does have a nice guitar. A really nice guitar. What if he's doing sleazy things? Hey, I'm not... This is a... 
This is a kid's show. <laughs> no. This is a kid's show? Is this He's a, little- a teenager. No. He's a teenager. Uh, I know. I know. I don't want to. That, that's not a defense uh, at all. Well, I don't think you can. <laughs> Closed circuit televisions don't record video, do they? Uh, Does you have to have they, like a different setup for that? I believe they can. They have the possibility of okay recording. Um, between because like a closed circuit television would be the same kind of thing you would use like at a store. I yeah. would assume for your security feed, and they save those and they that's, do record. That's true. I think you would have to have something else set up to it to like record from the well, like. We it's, don't know. There might be VCRs exist at this point in time. Definitely. So you, of course, you, I think that's probably the, how he would be doing it. Mm-hmm just recording uh off the video on the screen right there you go but uh, he doesn't have that next to next to it he's got a oh no you know what this is hilarious do you know what's do you know what uh you can't see it because he's in the way right now Uh uh-huh but he has a quasar vp5748xe vcr Mm. and a quasar va66ye frequency synthesizer tuner this is uh, just further proof that Ferris is doing some got, sleazy things. Got, does, does sleazy things. Do you? He's kind of sleazy. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't even want to. He's a quick talking con man, oil salesman, you know. Oil salesman. Snake oil salesman. There you go. Oil salesman. I was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I meant. Um, he, he, He's a con man. Is, can't be trusted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> better, so, better so, watch it, ladies. Can't be going into his room. Yeah, don't trust Ferris. Bueller. You might, you might get recorded. So Ferris says, "This is my." I know. I was okay. I wasn't gonna say it, but like, do you think he ever has Sloane come over? No, oh, definitely. <sighs> and no, the problem is, I don't think he tells them. No, I, I'm sure he exactly. Of course not. That's awful. That's bad. Not. That's so bad. No, definitely. Come on, he's an eighteen-year-old guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you can put that to rest. <laughs> All right. All right. So Ferris <laughs> is talking to the camera, and he says, "This is his ninth ninth sick day this semester." In a semester, that's not even for the whole year. That is awful. Awful. It's that's getting so pretty bad. tough coming up with new illnesses. Oh, that's so bad. If I go for ten, I'm probably going to have to barf up a lung. That that's so bad. I've heard cough up a lung. I know. I've Bark heard cough up a lung. That doesn't. That's not a work. phrase. That can't. Yeah, that's not a. F- you know. You know. That's not a thing. Rooney has some like that's not a phrase either. Moments. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a fun little. I wonder it's if like that was almost like a phrase. It sounds but it's like, like it could be something, but it's not. Barf up a lung, like. I mean, cough up a lung? Maybe, maybe he got the line wrong and it was just like... Whatever. They're like, well, this was the best take. Too bad. I like it. It doesn't mm. matter. So my mom, possible. I told you this, I think, in one of our bonus episodes. My mom has used the phrase barf up a lung, and I think it's because of this movie. It's, uh, it's definitely not possible. <laughs> yeah. No, you can't do that. I hope you can't do that. Physically doesn't seem like you could do that. That you could, no. <laughs> no. Those are different systems. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't work. So yeah. Oh well. You get the sentiments, but that's still really bad. Like I was, I was wondering, and I was de- we were in our pilot episode. I think we were even talking about, or one of our bonus episodes. I don't know. Yeah. Talking about uh, 
how much he's been absent. And I thought maybe it would have been nine for the whole year, but it's for a semester. Mm-hmm. And that yep. is nine so, times a semester. So bad. That's so bad. Yeah, that means he's this is his ninth sick day since January. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. How is this even it's June fifteenth? How is this whole day out even validated when he's already taken like nine other days? He changes his sick day count. <laughs> he he changes the number of absences he has in the school computer. Yeah, so we're not going to talk about the legal ramifications that we, comes we with that. We can talk about that when that happens. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. Spoilers yes. for later. Spoilers. In the video, legal ramifications. Legal he should have been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, this is so bad. Oh, I have a little, a couple. I have a couple notes about um, the song that's playing, "Love Missile F One Eleven. Yes. Um, Seek Seek Sputnik is a British new wave band that was formed in 1982. Mm-hmm. Uh, this particular song is from the album Flaunt It from 1986. <laughs> Flaunt It. So it came out, this song came out the year the movie came out. All right. So they're, they're, he's like on it. It was like music. a cross promotion, you know. And apparently David Bowie did a cover in 2003. Which, if what? anyone, if anyone can find that, please, please send us that. Was that not, did you not find that on YouTube? I found... A very small sliver of it on, like, an old Napster link. Oh, my gosh. But I couldn't find the whole song. Damn. I know. I want That's, it. I, yeah, I'm like, I, I need to hear this. I, me too. <laughs> me too. It's such a weird song already. And, but then you got David Bowie doing it, so now I'm like, what? Yeah. I need this in my life. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was the last of my notes of this minute. Oh, okay. So this moment just ends with him fiddling around with this uh, device, yeah. his devices. He's a uh, literally ends on the words "barf up a lung." All right, all right. Dang, he's looking right at us. I'm gonna have so many good this this movie's gonna have so many good screenshots. Oh yeah, oh definitely. Oh, it's gonna be great. Just him just looking. Just all the fourth wall breaks. All I feel like his mouth is always just a little bit open. <laughs> always. A lot of times, if you pay attention, his mouth is just a little always. He's a mouth because he's talking. <laughs> no, he had stopped. His sentence was over. Like his mouth. He's is about still to say open. something else. If I hit play, it'll continue him talking. Oh, okay. He's not know. done yet. I don't know. This monologue goes on for the next like four minutes. Goes on for the whole movie. You know what? <laughs> uh, next week, um, I'm gonna have some cool deleted scene stuff to talk about oh fun yeah spoilers for next week but that was everything i have for today how do you feel i feel good i suppose this is a good episode this is a long one good and meaty episode disappointed and ferris but i feel good oh ferris uh i I, nine in a semester that's mm -hmm. that's just so ridiculous to me Uh, jonathan carlisle (laughs) from the princess bride minute Mm -hmm. watched uh the movie for the first time recently. Wow. I I don't know. Hopefully inspired by us. I think inspired by us. Right. And um, he was like, I hate Ferris. He's such a jerk. I hate Ferris. I just want to kick him in the nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I think you and Victoria are going to get along. <laughs> I don't hate him, but I think he is not necessarily 
He's not a, nice a guy, guy to be trusted. I feel like you'd want to be on his good side. If you're not one of his friends, then, oh man, I feel sorry for you. He, uh, I'm going to keep defending him as the movie goes on, I think. Because. Well, of course, but you're also biased. I am biased. I'm biased because, I mean, like, I'm. And I don't want to rag on a movie that's like. That's like your favorite movie of all time. This, this particular day that he's taking off, this Mm -hmm. night sick day, this Mm -hmm. semester, like. Mm -hmm. The events of this day mm-hmm. show Ferris to be a good guy, but he's already skipped eight other times this semester. Like Rooney's probably been dealing with him for four years. Like he cons his parents on a regular basis. There's Lies a scene to him, in the movie where them. he does legitimately steal like bonds from his father so they can go cash money at the bank so they can mm-hmm. go fund their day trip. Uh, like he's not a good guy. No, that's it's all very very bad things. And and John Hughes' intention was to was to make you like Ferris. And so that's the goal in like why they cast Matthew Broderick and and why they have him break the fourth wall all the time. And they're really like, really working like, please, like we want you on our side here. Uh, And just stepping back and looking at it like this, it's going to be so hard to be like, it's going to be hard to defend him. (laughs) Yeah. Because, uh, Any justifications you have are like almost pretty much automatically unfounded. Because we'll like, talk about it. I don't know. We'll talk it's, about it's, it. It's it's pretty crazy. We'll I, talk about it. I would I would have forgiven him more if it was throughout the whole year, but this isn't a semester. That's within only a few months, and that's a lot of absences. And I feel like you're putting yourself in danger. You're putting your parents in danger because like they could call some kind of social services. Be on like your, your son's not coming to school. On your family, and they have no idea what's going on. Obviously, when you we get to it later, spoilers. But it's like I don't know. We'll save it's it. Just a save lot it. of inconsiderations on I his know. part. I like him. Join though. us tomorrow for minute five. <laughs> Damn you, Ferris! Why are you so likable? Uh, guys, if you like our show, you know you know the drill. Find us on Facebook, Ferris Bueller Minute, um, Twitter at Bueller Minute, iTunes, all that stuff. Come back tomorrow for Minute 5. Donkashane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 oh.